Hello and welcome to the MHG podcast. Once again, I am God's favourite achievement, Bradley. And joining me this week, it's made me feel a little bit less special than I was last week and the week before, uh, because he's joining the Steam Deck Club. It's a little bit less exclusive, which means someone's broke the first rule of Steam Deck Club and been talking about Steam Deck Club. Stu, you're getting a Steam Deck. I know, right? How exciting. That's really cool. And have you been punching Jared Leto in the face? Oh, God, I really wish I could. I really wish I could. The only thing, (laughs) wait, what they could have done to make Morbius successful at the box office was give you an opportunity to punch him if you bought a ticket, and then everyone would have bought one. Oh, yeah, or just had uh, Edward Dalton in there just just pop up every so often and just punch him in the face. Every every Jared Leto film should have that. That sounds great. I would pay bloody good money to see that. Just followed by the line, I just wanted to destroy something beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I hate him. But there you go. <laughs> but what you don't hate is you're getting a Steam Deck. I'm not even segueing yet. I know, right? Yeah, so no, it's really exciting. So it was only last, yeah, last night, in, yesterday evening. And yeah, got the, the mail through. And I was like, oh, I'm really glad I didn't pull the trigger on a load of retro stuff that I was going to be buying. <laughs> Otherwise, I've been in serious financial schnook. But no, I hadn't. So yeah, I was like, oh yeah, quick, get that, get that over from savings, get it paid for, and winging its way to me. So I've already been doing the thing where I scrabble around for all the technical stuff that I'll need immediately, and start trying to work out which games I'm going to download first, and all that caper. And yeah, yeah, the excitement begins here. Uh, what model are you getting? It's the two five six. And if you got a baby card. Ready? I haven't got one ready, no, no. I If I can afford one, I'll buy one. But if not, it'll be focusing on Game Pass for a little while until, you know, and one game installed at a time, maybe. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, sure. That was my plan with the 64 gig. <laughs> I'll just put a couple of smaller indies on there and then you realise that you can play games like Elden Ring or Yakuza Like a Dragon and No Man's Sky and all of a sudden like oh one game a time just goes out yeah, the window I can quite imagine uh, I've got Days Gone which I've only done the first couple of hours of and that's going to be getting played pretty quick and that's like 80 or 90 gig so yeah yeah, yeah I'm talking rubbish basically yeah, no, you'll 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 get that. And what's really good? So what what's really really good? And we did cover this even in the special. Is every day's an adventure um, because there's always something new popping up. Whether it's directly from Valve themselves, whether it's the community, whether it's just new games being playable, or finding out ones that are supposedly unsupported can still work. Um, so I made the mistake of telling Edith yesterday morning that Fall Guys was playable and I'll let her play it if she helps tidy up only to find out it was unsupported oh no um, but all it is is I mean one of the first things you need to do is get something called Proton Up which is is a community version of Proton which allows you to install the anti-cheat stuff that's needed in the, on the Steam Deck and it makes Fall Guys 100% playable excellent um, and it's just like yeah, it's the community have really got a ball. I think it helps that, you know, gaming with Linux and stuff like that is is quite big. But oh, this just every day is an adventure. My my list, my playable list has grown from about 270 games to just short of 300 now. Yeah. And I don't think I've had a system like it where you've got such a vast library available to you 
but it's sort of in an official capacity being drip fed to you. So it still feels like a new console in a way. Yeah, it's really funny. It's kind of like nothing that's come before, I think. Because, I mean, there's been consoles that were released that were to play games that were pre-existing. Yeah. Like, um, you know, the Nomad, the Sega Nomad, which is just playing Mega Drive games, or Genesis specifically. But, you know, obviously that was not experimental. I was just like, if, it, if there's a Mega Drive cartridge, you plug it in, it will work. Um, but this is similar, but for all the games, like every game, pretty much. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, literally, it's the only handheld device that you could play every single game, potentially, maybe at very different levels of quality, ever released up until 2022. That's the entire history of video games. Some legally, some a bit more grey area, but you possibly you can do it, and it's ridiculous. But on that, let's talk about the... It's not even an elephant in the room because the uh, the switch is the elephant. The uh, not switch, the uh, Steam Deck's an elephant, the size of it. So the, the little mouse in the room. <laughs> I picked up the switch today, um, out of the dock for the first time in about two weeks, yeah. uh, because I've got battery issues and found out that you need to do a complete drain of the battery, um, mm. and it does it kind of resets it. So I've done that. It feels like a toy. <laughs> It honestly feels like a toy in my hand. I thought I'd broken it. It was so light and thin and felt of nothing. Um, and then I picked the, the Steam Deck up again. I went, no, I, I I'm going to have to strap weights to my Switch because somehow, I know people worried about the weight of the Steam Deck, but it feels so much better to hold because of the weight. Yeah, yeah. There's a sweet spot, isn't there? Um yeah. I find it all right with which one have you got? Which switch have you got? Uh the original switch with the newer battery. Right. Yeah. I, I don't know whether it's different weight from my OLED one. Because that feels like a nice weight, but it I think because it doesn't have grips, you know, because they have that flat connection to your hands, it definitely makes it feel kind of cheaper, even though it's reasonably weighted. I don't know if that's part. Yeah. Of it. Part of it might be psychological as well. Possibly, it's. I mean, I suppose. I mean, PCs have always, on the whole, been bigger and sort of like you need more space and you need to actually have a dedicated setup for them and stuff like that compared to consoles. And so it stands to reason that if you've got a PC company going to release a handheld, it's going to be a bit beefier. Yeah. Uh, but oh, yeah, I can't wait to hear your experiences with it because I, I've I've played more video games per hour than I have done for God knows how long, um, and I'm so tired as well because it's now so easy to forget the time and sit there until two, three o'clock in the morning <laughs> just with this fin in your hand. Yeah, yeah. No, that that is always a danger. I was like that when I first got a PSP. It was just like. Yeah, caning yeah. K- lumens till like yeah three in the morning. <laughs> well, that's exactly what I did last night. Lumines or lumines or lumines, however you want to pronounce it, remastered. I went. Oh, do you know what? I've just installed Res Infinite. Really enjoyed playing that again. But let's let's I have not let's check out Lumines on a slightly bigger screen. And I thought oh, I have a quick go. I haven't played for a while. I'll probably like get to about the level 30 or 40 or something like that made it to level 98 just short of like completing the classic mode yeah. after two and a bit hours nice it's like 
one thing I, I still maintain one thing Lumini's needs and it would have been perfection is an ability to pause and save mid-game because as a puzzle game you've got to dedicate nigh on two hours to it every time you play yes you do yeah yeah when you even when you're doing a poor run like for your own yeah. you know by your own standards like after a while it's uh yeah it, it knocks on to a long time it's a great game though it, there's not many games i can go but right, i know i'm gonna be here for a couple of hours on a puzzle game um and go right okay let's do this um because once you do get started you're in it, you, you can't leave. The music is banging. So it's not as if you get to... You don't even get to a bit where it's... You go, ah, oh, do you know what? I'm, I'm not too keen on the music and the, on the, and the uh, skin on this level. So I, I, can, I can leave it at this point. No. No. <laughs> it's just... If it goes to a point where the music might not be the best, but the game slows down, so you've got time to clear all your mistakes and stuff like that. Or the, just the track is just... Oh, it's the best soundtrack in a video game. I, I love the Lumini soundtrack. Yeah, it's an absolute corker. Yeah, I, I love that game. So, talking of shaking your body, shaking your body down to the ground, video games, show. <laughs> Indeed. And I suppose, you know? I suppose that Did segue you know? was just that, you know, that music belongs in a video game. That's about it. does. That's about Put it. Put it in everything. It yeah. needs to be in Tetris, by the way. Tetris Effect needs it. That's got a banging soundtrack, but it needs the Lumity soundtrack. Someone mod yeah. that in. There yeah. you go. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, not all video games are on on the on the Steam Deck. I mean, they are, but you know, for the sake of this, some of us might have been playing video games that weren't on a Steam Deck. Um, so let's let's go. What have you been playing, Stu? Well, first off, on the Steam Deck side of things, I've been <laughs> playing a game that I will also be playing on the Steam Deck. <laughs> very, very. I mean, that very... doesn't narrow it down. In all no, fairness, it doesn't really. But um, it's one of those that it's very, very tiny in size. But so you, you know, it's got a really immediate install thing. You can just like stick it on, done. Two hundred and fifty meg or something. But it's got a very big presence, and that is Vampire Survivor Survivors. And you was going to cock that up. <laughs> oh, I I picked that up the other day. Yeah, yeah. Have you been Go playing on, it on then. the deck? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's great, isn't it? It's it's yes. great fun. So, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, and I guess pretty much everybody in the universe does by now, it's a Castlevania-inspired, aesthetically, Castlevania-inspired uh, survivor map, which is, it's like a cross between, I'd say, Gauntlet uh, and Castlevania for the aesthetics. And yeah, it's really, really good. So you just, it's, you know, it's a survival game. It's very much like a mobile game in that it's, it can be an infinite runner if you're good enough. And it's sort of iterative. It's a bit kind of roguish in that each time you play, you, you retain some of the power ups and experience you've had from previous runs and stuff like that. Um, I think what makes it it's really hard to put your finger on what makes it so addictive. So there's just a great big screen that continually scrolls in any direction you want to go. And it, I think it just builds that uh, map on the fly. And increasingly diff, more powerful waves of enemies come at you. So it's kind of got that, foot, uh, you know, what's it called? Tower defense style vibe to it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think what makes it stand out is your weaponry. So you, you kind of you can choose from different characters. Well, not initially, but you're soon able to unlock them, and they have different primary weapons. And then you buy like secondary, tertiary, etc. 
and each one of them fires at different cadences, different rates, different directions, and with different levels of power. And that sounds like it, that immediately makes you think, oh, this sounds complicated, but it really isn't. It's just like, you know, off they go. You don't have to think about it. You just got to, you know, get in there and get killing stuff. And yeah, so it's kind of like, you know, there's, there's whips, there's the holy bible you know there's all garlic there's all that stuff that you you know from castlevania and from vampire movies and stuff and they each have you know as i say different effects and different levels of power and you can upgrade and you know all the upgrade path is pretty much as you'd expect you know there's loot boxes there's you know diamonds scattered across the map gemstones that you pick up that uh give you the option to choose new weapons or buffs for your weapons and again, it sounds far more complex than it is. It's literally walk around a map, get your cadence of your hits in with where the enemies are appearing around you, keep running away, and try and survive. And it just, I don't know what it is. It, the guy who made it has just hit on a really, really good formula for yeah. maintaining your interest. And yeah, I'm a little bit hooked. Oh, yeah, it's, I mean, this is going to appear, I think, on many, many, even though technically, it's technically still early access, isn't it? Um, and technically, yeah. it came out last year, technically, but uh, this is going to be dominated, I think, a bit of discussion in Game of the Year lists. So two things. One, it, I, I see this as, a, a reminds me of two games. One is I made a game with zombies in it, um, the... Uh, the Xbox indie game thingy that came out um, a few years back on their little indie game experiment thing. Um, and also pacifist mode from uh, Geometry Wars. It seems to be a, a, a blend of those two to me. Yeah. And it's only two quid. Yep. Crazy. It's, you know, it cost me that for two crap coffees at my daughter's football. Um, yep. So it's not, you know... It's better than two crap coffees. Um, totally. <laughs> it's, oh yeah, it's like, I, I tried it because everyone was talking about it. And I went, oh, I've got some built up credits. I finally sold all my um, Steam trading cards and things. And I was absolutely blown away by it. I went, I'll see what all the fuss is about. And like, oh God, yeah, okay. That's what all the fuss is about. I think that's what, the, the price point is genius. Because I know that the developer made it for himself yeah um because i was reading up on it and was amazed that it took off but the but if the price had been higher because he knew it was going to be more of a success i wouldn't have been so much of a success because it's not the sort of thing that i normally put cash into but like you said because it was like the price of a coffee less than a coffee like half the price i was like yeah 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 no i'll give it a go for that money and i yeah loads of people have done the same thing and it will have completely skyrocketed from there and if he's not already a millionaire he's probably on his way to it oh i i really hope so i mean this is i mean again when you look at the uh the the person who made um wordle for his girlfriend and selling that off to the times and things like that and selling out i still applaud that him uh because fair play uh, take what you can get uh, and stuff like this. You've made a game that you want to play 
And it just so happens everyone else wants to play it as well. And you've gone, I'll tell you what, let's make it so everyone could play it. Um, I hope this eventually sees a Switch release, a console release, a mobile release, uh, if it isn't already on any of those. Um, I hope it makes its way to and keeps this price point that it's got uh, because you will reach, if you, if you, you're selling something for two quid, say he gets one pound from that two pound and he manages to sell this to three million people, that's three million quid he could earn from that game. Yep. Um, because it's so cheap. Whereas he could have sold this for, I've seen titles like this go for five, 10, 15 quid before. And he might only reach a couple of hundred thousand people at most. Uh, because because yeah. I'm not paying 15 quid for this. I'm not paying a tenner for this. Two quid was a no-brainer. Because if it was crap, it's two quid. Even, even for someone who's on universal credit and doesn't really have the money, it's two quid. Yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. It's it's the perfect price. It's, it's definitely a factor in it becoming a phenomenon. And it's yeah. at the stage now where, because it's reached so much critical mass in the media and stuff like that, if you charge for it on you know, the Switch for, you know, seven ninety nine or whatever, or a tenner, people will pay that now because they, cause it's yes. got the, the level of recognition it deserves. So, yeah, it's one of those things that, you, you know, you kind of fall into. Well, he hasn't fallen into it because he's, he's developed a really good game. But, you know, it's, there's still always luck involved. But, yeah, a lot of skill and a lot of luck and a good price point. And he's, he's just really hit the zeitgeist. 100%. Uh, I mean, it, if you you can't really even explain it to someone as to why they should play it because you should kind of the first thing I did I was pressing buttons to try and attack yeah and I was only attacking with my whip to the side and I was like oh I don't actually do anything it's a clicker it's yeah. essentially a clicker and then you realise oh fuck no it's, it's it's not a clicker this is oh my god hold on now I get this all right okay oh it's shooting that way so I can I can walk and all the money I'm going. Ah, so what I'd do, if I just walk away from them all and then get them all to follow me and then turn around and attack them a little bit, they drop the gems and then I can circle back on myself and then pick up all those gems. So I get my little tactics going nice and early and, and stuff like that. And then you've got to work out how do you want to build your character. And the more you longer you last, the better you do, the more unlocks you can get for your next run. So you're tempted straight back in as well. And Oh, yeah, I... I honestly, I, it's. I, I think this won't be the last time we talk about this game this year. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. No, it's a really good point on the looking through the fire button thing because I did the same thing, and I normally bounce hard off any game that takes away that kind of control because I love, yeah. love smashing stuff up. It's like most games I play, smashing stuff up. But um, yeah, no, I, I, I just thought, oh no, that's actually genius, and it it really impacts that you have the two levels of strategy you have your longer term planning which inevitably goes to absolute you know donkeys within seconds um and you've got your short term reactions and planning as well uh and it's got a surprising amount of depth for it for for what it is and yeah oh, it's just great <laughs> I'm very yeah impressed. i mean to go for the, the lack of clicking and stuff like that i mean essentially what you've got here is a dynasty warriors game in some respect but without the pointless having to press mash the button it's saving your controller uh, giving you a very similar experience to dynasty warriors yeah yeah it is a bit moosey yeah, yeah yeah yes it is um it definitely has that appeal of i'm just one individual but i can take on an entire you know 
world. I think the size of it helps as well. You know, I think the fact that even today there are very few games where in the view that you have it right at that moment, there are there can be literally thousands of enemies. You just don't get that. Yeah. You know, it's like, because the push... I remember way back when the 360, was it, that came out? Or was it even the Xbox? They had that, that Musu game. What was it called? It, had like, it was like 3Fs or something. I can't remember what it's called now. But one of it's like... Oh, you know, it was like uh, Dead Rising. One of one yeah. of the one of the USPs of this is that you could we can have more enemy sprites on screen, <laughs> enemy characters, not sprites. Jesus, Stu, um, <laughs> on screen than ever before. Now we've got this power, and then they did it for like f- the first few months of the console's existence, and then that was it. It was back yeah. to oh, but we can get like sixty frames, and we can get it looking really, really pretty, and we can do our Call of Duty if we only have eight characters on screen at any one time, and it's still a real real unusual thing to see there be hundreds or even thousands of enemies on a screen and them not just yeah. be you know a repeat yeah you, know, you know just like a repeated character or they don't have any impact on the gaming side of it yeah and so it's a novelty even though it looks like an 8-bit game you know it looks like an apple 2 game or a c64 game it actually has you know stuff in it that you don't even get in triple a stuff Oh yeah, you could with with this as well. Um, you could easily do this as though you've designed it in basic, where you've got that. Everyone does that crappy spider that you make in basic when you first get a spectrum. Yeah. Um, and then a few, and the enemies could all just be various different coloured squares, and it would still play as well. Yeah. That you know, it's the again. I've said it before. The Thomas was a load effect. Can you boil this down to basic geometry shapes and will it still play well? With this, yes, yes, and yes, it will. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it doesn't have the Castlevania license, but it almost has that feel. It's kind of like riffing on it. It's kind of like a distant cousin twice removed style (laughs) inheritance. But even so, it, it kind of needs it, I think. It it would well it certainly needs it for the mass appeal so that you and i would still be talking about it and playing it even if it hadn't had that and even if it was just abstract but i think you know having that tie into a a franchise that not only is beautiful looking even though this game isn't it's ugly but it doesn't matter um it, even though it hasn't you know it's it's tied into that beautiful aesthetic it's an aesthetic that has been underused for a long time and people are desperate to see again, I think. You know? Yeah. Like, people really miss Castlevania. And, you know, you can tell that by the number of clones that are out, like Bloodstained and, you know, all of the all the other stuff. And, uh, yeah, it uses that traditional 8-bit aesthetic really, really well. So it's just, it's yeah, it's, it's a masterpiece of, uh, of marketing. And it's, it just also happens to be a really cracking game. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so that's the sponsorship segment out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, it's if you've got a PC, you've got two quid spare, just get this. I, I, we speak about don't even look at like key shops or anything. It's two, I mean, we're like, it's not two pounds, it's two pound nine P in the UK. Yeah, $2.50 or something, I guess. Something oh, two ninety nine, like possibly, yeah. It's um, it's £2.9p. Um, so, honestly, it's... In terms of value to, like, entertainment to, to money and stuff like that, it's going to be one of the most cost-effective games you will ever buy. 
Totally agree. But slight change of pace then for what I've been playing. Um, first up for me is, I've got to get the title of this right because I've been getting it wrong in practising saying it, is Scabma Snowfall or Scabma Snowfall. Um, not Scabma. I kept saying Scabma. It's not Smegma? Scabma Snowfall? Scabma Snowfall. Scabma. Right, okay. It's got a, not an umlaut. It's got the other one. It's got an accent above the A. Anyway, um, what you've got here is... The, is uh, an adventure game, like a narrative-driven adventure game um, that's set in Nordic mythology. Um, and it tackles some of the Nordic mythology that you don't see. Um, so obviously, whenever you mention Nordic mythology, everyone goes, oh, Thor, um, and that kind of stuff. And like they get confused with Greek mythology. Blah, blah, blah. This is all to do with um, like the Nordic wilds and, uh, and stuff like that. And the, the gameplay is this, basically. Um, you uh, take on this character of Ailu. Um, again, pronunciations are going to be all over the shop because yeah, it's me. Um, and they're a young Sami. That's uh, like a, a tribe of people um, in Nordic mythology. Um, and you basically go through, there's a story beat that happens, you're going through your day as you do, and then something happens and you've got to go on a big adventure. And you've got to basically be a lone hero or, you know, try and stop a darkness that's kind of taken over the world. Um, it's fairly generic in its setup and story and stuff like that, apart from the intricacies of the story. Learning stuff about Norse mythology is, um, well, Nordic mythology rather, rather than Norse, let's get this right, um, is, is something special. I love learning about stuff that I didn't know about in video games, and I think games can be powerful for that. Um, but it's beautiful to look at as well. Um, it's got really good traversal. It's got some decent, oh, I, I do want to say combat, but it's not really a combat-heavy game, even though there is some. It's a lot just about discovery and reconnecting with nature and, and stuff like that and exploration and finding yourself and, and, and those kind of things. And you kind of go out and you find these things called familiar spirits. And basically, they give you various upgrades and abilities and stuff like that, which allow you to just go further and do more to stop this darkness. I think they call it a disorder or something like that within the game. But basically, stop that. Um, and sort of progress through a story. I'm about three quarters of the way through uh, because it has some accessibility issues where it's you get some quite bright areas and I struggle with those at times. But on the whole, it, it, it you know it's a good balance of contrast and I, it's got some of the other accessibility options. Fine, it's just really bright and I can't blame the game because it's needed and it makes sense as to why it's like that in part. So I've struggled to get through it. Um, in some segments, but I am really enjoying it and I want to push forward because a nice, positive adventure game that isn't sort of trying to do something something else has done, but isn't trying to completely reinvent the wheel, is comfortable in its own skin and has a story to tell. I, 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 I think they're few and far between these days. Um, and this is, yeah, it's just a lovely game, lovely game, and I yeah, really enjoy my time with it so far. Yeah, that sounds really good. I, I think there's a... I really like the fact that there's a trend towards 
sort of environmental stories or stories about yeah. preserving or saving your tribe, you know, and it's kind of doing it from a perspective of tribes that have either dwindled or literally don't exist anymore. Yeah. And it does seem very much like a comment on how things are going, you know, in, in general in general life in the world because of climate change, that things are imperiled and you have to take care over over things. You have to have self-care and you have to look after your community to be able to allow it to, to continue. And that's a really good, strong thematic thing to, to play on. I think one of the, the side effects of it is that that's a very kind approach. It's, it's a very thoughtful one. It's it's not just destructive. It's not just a power fantasy. It's more about you know a, a collective and about being constructive rather than destructive. And I like all of that stuff. I'm I'm definitely here for it. Yeah. Uh, what's really good? I've I, I went through a couple of reviews and stuff like that. Uh, there's been a couple of people who have said they're Sabi themselves and have said that it's it's wonderful to see their culture represented in video games. And um, I think one said it was oh it's. Um, really interesting that it's been done with such respect it hasn't been bastardized in any way like a lot of like sort of like especially a lot of the nordic stuff um gets bastardized for for, for certain genres and like as i say you go back to sort of like the nordic mythology with the gods and everything it's you know it's, everyone only sees the marvel side of what that all was really um, so they said, like, it's good to see people who this does affect have said about how respectful the game is as well. And it is about community in so many ways. It's not trying to be grandiose. And, you know, it's 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 it does a thing that just keeps everything so confined um, and, but allows you to go out and explore. And it's kind of got this this theme. And I don't know if it's just me that took this on or whether it's aiming for this, where what can you take from greater knowledge to help improve y- your smaller circle without then doing the damage of people around us and, and stuff like that. And it's just, it's just, it's a really nice, calming game. And obviously I'm really pleased that I've got to have played it. Yeah, as I say, I've done, I've played games in a similar thing that's just not managed to hit the right notes, whereas this one has. Um, and again, it's a, it's a going to go pretty much under the radar for a lot of people. Um, this one is about 15 quid. And to be honest, yeah, I think that's a really good price point on this one. It's just, yeah, a lovely game. I, I, I don't know what else to say about it. Um, yeah. It's just a lovely experience. It's one of those that it sounds as though Game Pass would have been great for this as well for it yes. to hit a, a, a wide audience. But um, yeah, you never know. Hopefully, it might hit the people it needs to be hitting one day. Yeah, hopefully. But say if you if there's check it out at least check it out if you've got the means to do so because um, this one I didn't play on Steam Deck. Um, don't know why. Um, I honestly, have no idea why. I think I sat down to play it on PC because I was gonna. Um, try and maybe write about it but then I realised I couldn't sit and spend time writing um, so I played this one on the PC um, so I've no idea how it runs on the deck or anything but this could be a good pre-bedtime experience cool so what's next from you well only one more uh, well I've been playing loads of Doom because uh, it kind of cascaded because I was enjoying it anyway like I talked about last week but the this Doom Slayers collection that I've got 
for Doom itself, it's got all of the expansions. And I realised when I started, like when I fired them, when I completed the regular game and then I put the next one in line on, I was like, yeah, no, never played this. <laughs> never played it. And <laughs> some of them are really excellent. You know, really, really good design. And they've kind of, most of them have gone down the route of bolstering and boosting up the exploration aspect. So they're still sort of comparatively bite-sized. Like first time through, it'll take you 10, 15, 20 minutes max to get through this great big level. But, and then you can improve with time and get, you know, get your speed up to par if you want to and all that caper. But the, the important thing is the exploration side of it. And it feels much more like, you know, a kind of Resident Evil game or something like that where it's about it's a combination of exploration puzzle and action all melded into one with survival on top of it and all that and you know that's really good and it's so good to see that you know those these levels that were created decades ago that i've never played play them now and hold up so well so i wasn't going to talk about it but i just have but there you go that was my doom experience but the only other thing i've been doing is play is i've been also working on Neo Geo's and I'm actually finished now for well for the moment at least because I had to get one ready for my friend because I I decided there was one that I got that was comparatively cheap and not working and I was like if I can get this working I'm going to give it to a friend of mine like as a gift because he's been so generous to me over the years and stuff my mate Mike and uh, I was like yeah no I'm just gonna I just it feels natural because we've we've been sort of gaming buddies for you know 30 years and it just feels natural to to make sure he's got a, an EOG at the same time as me because we both had them and both sold them back in the early 2000s. And it was really nice to get that going. And I've been, I had to test out a load of different games because one of the problems I had when repairing another one was that the, the RAM was bad and it wouldn't even show up on some games because it wasn't accessing the, the right bank of memory. So... I was like, great, an excuse to stick a load of different games on and have them just run in the background. So I did that and it, it passed all the tests and that was great. And one game I'd never seen before and decided to play was Savage Rain, which is yet another fighting game of which there's no shortage course on the, on the AES. And it's typically like SNK and it's got gigantic sprites, it's got zooming in and out, and it has a slightly unusual fight mechanic compared to like the Capcom style and um, the the gimmick here is that it's kind of kung fu. Well, it, yeah, kung fu in the sense that it's martial arts, martial arts with weapons. But it has a kind of fatal fury thing of you can jump in and out of the background with two buttons. And it also has every character has you can throw your weapon with two buttons as well, a, a two button combination. And uh, it feels very much like fatal fury with weapons, you know. Uh, it's completely over the top. The sprites are gigantic. They do loads of stupid stuff, you know, just in typical SNK fashion, like Waku Waku 7 and, and stuff like that. And yeah, it's just, it's a good, fun game. I had low expectations and it kind of exceeded them, really. Yeah, I love a low expectation game when they, it's very easy to exceed your expectations when you've got low expectations. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, that's quite often been the game where I've not expected much from and just gone, oh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. It's nice uh, when it happens. Think, uh, not very yeah, often. I but did it with Knack. Every now and I again. Remember doing that with, I remember doing it with Knack. 
Um, I, I, everyone was <laughs> slagging it off, and I was like, uh, it's not going to be very good, but I'll enjoy it with Lucas. He was like, I want to say nine, eight, nine when the PlayStation 4 came out. Yeah. Bloody hell. It's about um, nine years ago, wasn't it? Christ, he would have been six, seven then. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah, but that that came out, and we, I got that not expecting much. I just really enjoyed it because I went, oh, this is meant to be rubbish. And I just went, no, it's not. It's actually pretty good because it wasn't overhyped. And yeah, yeah. when you either go something completely unknown or you've got low expectations, you get a much better experience, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it, it was worth kind of, I was like, oh, no pressure on me. It was just as I say, a test. And um, I wanted to go through a few levels to make sure that I'd, you know, probably, you know, properly tested all out and stuff. But it hooked me to play it uh, for quite a while. So it's not going to, it's not a classic by any stretch, but um, it kind of looks top dollar. It doesn't have the level of animation that some of the other games have. But um, I enjoyed it more on first blush than I did uh, Ninja Commandos, which is sort of a similar thing in terms of fighting but it's, you know it's solidly mid-tier but even for SNK you know but it's uh, it's decent enough it's nowhere near like you know the Fatal some of the Fatal Fury games and King of Fighters and you know it's in a kind of World Heroes perfect kind of a dimension of B-tier kind of beat-em-ups <laughs> yeah I struggle to keep up with beat-em-ups it's like it's got, I always just assumed there was about like three different beat-em-ups when I was young and there was Streets yeah. of Rage, Double Dragon and then like Turtles, essentially. And then it's like, oh, I went, oh my God, there's loads. I didn't know there was this many. I know, yeah. It's crazy. A lot of them went by the wayside, I think. And a lot of them were much more popular in Japan, um, which you know, kept them from a rise. And it's kind of like, when I was at college, they had, it, uh, this is how long ago it was when I was at college, that they actually had arcade games and they weren't there as a, a retro throwback, oh, go look at that kind of thing. They were <laughs> actually like, cutting edge entertainment. And yeah. they had um, Street Fighter Alpha 3 and, oh, was it Alpha 3 or Alpha 2? Alpha 2, I think. And they had Super Street Fighter 2 and World Heroes Perfect. Well, they had a four-switchable a four um, MVS setup, Neo Geo. Because uh, it had Metal Slug as well. And yeah, was it World Heroes Perfect? I'm not sure. It was one of the World Heroes games anyway. And um, I remember thinking at the time, well, who would bother playing that when you could play Capcom's fighting games? And it wasn't until many years later that I realised that they had their own value, played completely differently, etc., etc. But they live or die by their community, you know, fighting games. And if, if, uh, if one that isn't even that good gets popular or has flaws then that's what you'll end up playing. Even Just if like Street stuff Fighter. Is that controversial to say that? We're talking about not very good of flaws. Can we say Street Fighter? Probably not. There's not really any flawed, majorly flawed Street Fighter games. There's ones that are embraced and enjoyed more than others, but... Yeah, pretty much. Oh, I don't know. They're just pretty much brilliant, apart from obviously Street Fighter Five, which is garbage. But there you go. Well, no, the best fighting games, uh, Star Wars: Masters of the Terrace Kazi, or whatever it's called. <laughs> My mate bought that. Oh dear. Yeesh. Oh dear. Yeah, he's someone who doesn't get it either. I played that and went. Uh, yeah, no thanks. It's very good. And I've liked some bad games in my time. Oh, me too. <laughs> right, before moving on, I uh, just want to cover a couple of bits. Did you know? 
Right, we don't just do this for me and you, Stu. Really? This podcast. I know other people actually listen to us and read the stuff we put out. God. Did you know that? Well, no, uh, I'm very surprised. I do feel sorry for I. But, yeah. Um, so, well, I've had two messages this week um, come to me uh, that have shown us that there's a little world beyond us. One came from someone who heard us on a on another on a YouTube show, and apparently some little lad called Stu had written into this show and mentioned the Mental Health Gaming podcast, and I was like, oh, that was really nice. Um, something called like anything goes. I'm, I'm assuming it was you that sent in whatever it was, Stu. Nope, wasn't me. A skull face discussion. Nope. No, right. This is this is even more of a mystery then. Because I got sent a video where someone actually mentions mental health gaming um, and they call themselves Stu. I'll send you the link so you can, you can watch it. It's um, <laughs> kind of nuts. And it's, yeah, it gives us a little bit of promotion. So that's that's really weird. Um, Future Stu here just interjecting. Yeah, it must be because I'm not very well, but I completely forgot that, yes, indeed, I did do this. I asked a question on a YouTuber's channel, Bobby Skullface. And I also, at the end of it, said, oh, can you please give a shout out to my podcast? And then it completely erased it from my mind. That's great, isn't it? Wonderful. Anyway, on with the show. Nice. Um, and the other one, I'm not going to mention a name, actually. I only mentioned a name because I thought it was you. Um, but he's a, he's a young lad um, in America who has quoted, who's mentioned the podcast and quoted um, that, an article I wrote a little while back about The Last of Us and sort of like the the profound effect it had on me in terms of how I think about myself and how I approach video games and stuff like that. Used it in an article they wrote about mental health and video games and um, how it could help PTSD and, and things like that. Um, and I've, I've had a little read of the article um, and, of his essay, sorry, and I'm really, it was a really interesting essay that, that he wrote. Not going to lie, don't agree with some of it, but that's the point of an essay. And, but it was like really nice and he sort of like thanked us for sort of like what we do and how much he enjoys us, what we're doing and the group and everything. And it was just really, really lovely to know that we are reaching out to people beyond being you on our headsets. That is lovely, yeah. That, that's really appreciated, knowing that people are out there and enjoying it. And it doesn't matter. I've never been bothered about the numbers, you know, uh, but no. I'm I bothered about the people who do listen actually enjoying it and getting something from it. So, uh, yeah, that's really good news. Yeah, as I say, as I say it was a lovely, like, he's quoted, he's, he's, really, he's really proud of, of what he's written and stuff like that. I'd give him an A if I was graded it, uh, because he made me question certain bits. Cool. Um, yeah, it wasn't just a fluff piece. Uh, but yeah, he sort of like, what he, he what he like really sort of like hoped that I'd give him feedback and stuff like that. So I'll, I'll definitely do that in a personal email back. But yeah, absolutely lovely. Absolutely lovely to get that. Um, so to, to help a bit, if, if we have, if you know, if we have affected you in any way, positive or negative, please do let us know. Uh, we're always open. We love to hear comments. It makes us feel good. Um, or if you just want to tell us that one of us is fat and one of us is ugly, go for it. I don't mind. <laughs> we just need to... It'd be nice to know that people are listening. Yeah, I prefer comments. And mon- uh, positive ones. And money. Uh, and gifts. Or, or but, dick pics. You know. Send dick pics. Yeah, I'll take whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's the only action I'm getting. 
Is that that went that went weird? Did a uh, little. That yeah. went very weird. Anyway, so my second and final game, really for for this at the moment, is one I wanted to cover last week, but got um, sidetracked. Um, and it's one I again, it's one I can't play on the Steam Deck as it stands, and it's called Instruments of Destruction. Uh, you'll recall me over the past couple of weeks talking a bit about a bris. Um, or Abris, however it is, um, how it was my favourite demo of the Steam Next Fest. And I played the full release and I really, really enjoyed what it is. But we seem to be having this little resurgence of games which are about destroying things. Um, I should have segued yeah. from the Fight Club segment to this, really. But anyway, um, and with this, it's more like Besiege than it is Abris, where you have to create vehicles and they use that to destroy structures. Um, and, you know, it's got a career mode. It takes you through a bit of a career where it introduces different mechanics and different ways of destroying. But everything's kind of unlocked to you. It's early access, so there are some bits locked away because they're not put in the game yet. But there's nothing locked to you in terms of progression. Um, so you could build these really insane levels of technical achievements and go and destroy bridges, buildings, dams, um, settlements, whatever. Absolutely none of the things. And it's just, oh, there's something about spending like a good hour to two hours designing something and then watching it go to town on destroying. Um, yeah. And you get a feeling if, you know, if the likes of your Trumps, your Kim John Hills, your, your, your Putins and that had this video game or Abris, they might not be so angry and want to do it in the real world um, because it's, it's beautiful. It's, you know, it's got fire effects. You know, it's, um, oh, what's it? Not not polygons, are they? What's the little, what's this made up? Voxels. It's almost like voxel based in a way. I don't think it yeah. is voxel based, but it feels that level of destruction to it. Um, and it's just, this is what a sandbox should be. I, you know, when people try and put a sandbox into uh, an adventure game or something, so the likes of, um, what's it called? Watchdogs and stuff like that, where it'd be better if it was more linear. Or if for me, the Assassin's Creed games, more linear, make them more linear, that'd be better games. Um, this is what a sandbox should be, where it goes, look, there's this one objective, have at it. And this is what this does really, really well. Um, don't think it's as good as a Briss, uh, but it's not a bad game. I mean, this like saying, you know, this this eighty pound sirloin is not quite as good as this once in a lifetime rare blue steak from the outer highlands of Scotland that have never been touched by man before and only fed Japanese wheatgrass. You know, we we are on that levels of it. it's damn good, just not quite as good as this. Um, it's, yeah, it's just really interesting. Still in early access. It's only £12-ish. Um, and if I remember correctly, I was like flabbergasted. I'm just going to check my notes. Uh, it's file size. Considering everything it's got going in it. Where is it? Where is it? Bear with me. This is great content. It always is. I gave... Um, I'll, I'll mention it in an interview. Gave uh, an interview to the people, the wife and wife team of um, uh, Princess Farmer, and they had to look something up. And I, I said to them, I said, look, whenever you've got to look something up, you're checking your notes. It's more professional. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Profession, you know, you could tell we're professional. Oh, yeah. You can absolutely tell we're professional here. Completely. It's in everything that we do, like, especially the segways. Well, I can't find it. I mean, it's a tiny game. It's like, Abris is like two, two and a bit gigabytes. And Instruments of Destruction, I'm sure it's like a few hundred megabytes. I'm going down my list and I still can't find it. <laughs> Even though I've got it installed, it's tiny. Here we go. 381 megabytes. Nice. And it's ridiculously detailed, and I don't know how they've done it. It's voodoo. <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, really, really good. Really good. You know, I, I played Besiege to Death when that came out. Feels like 10 years ago. I can't remember when it actually came out now. <laughs> and it feels like a modern take on that. Uh, I just really enjoy it. Um, if you like destroying things, check it out. Oh, very good. Yeah, I uh, I like destroying things, and normally on a kind of personal level, though, you know, um, destroying people and families and that sort of thing. But yeah, I can get behind destroying inanimate objects in games now and again. Oh, is that why you made those lies up about me to low? Yeah. Oh, she didn't care. No, I didn't think she would. And so I wasn't giving you the bitcoins, Stu. No. I don't care what you said you see me do on my PC and that you'll share it with all my friends. Worth a try. Worth a try. I have. I won't regale you with the story, but it's still my favourite thing of someone who got that and asked me to deal with it. <laughs> Basically admitted they watched god-awful porn on, on their computer to me. <laughs> I know. But who doesn't? Sounds troubling. You just go, go ahead. I watch, I, I watch all kinds of filth, so go ahead. <laughs> do what you want. I don't care. I have no shame left. We've just been through a pandemic. Filthy. Um, so before we move on, uh, and I want to move on and talk a little bit actually about the supposed end of the pandemic and why my attitude has been forced to change, unfortunately. Um, just want to cover this week. Well, this this podcast was due to have a, a very short 10-minute interview with the developers of Princess Farmer, Sam B Games, uh, B and uh, Charlene, um, who are a wife-and-wife team who, who, who made the game Princess Farmer. That 10-minute interview, because it was conducted by me, lasted about an hour. <laughs> I mean, kill surprise, who would have thunk it? Um, it was a yeah. really good chat. So that's going to be going out for on a special um, and you should be able to get that uh, at the time of listening to this or just after, but there'll be a link in the description. But for now, if Stu's doing his editing magic, here's a quick clip from that interview. Were those ever in your mind to have like like a basic timed mode and a, an endless mode, or, or you know that you'd usually see in a in a columns or a Tetris or a Puzzle Fighter, those kind of games? Was that ever in your mind, and was there a reason those weren't included in the end? Those sort of things. Hundred percent. I was looking through UI screens of all the different ways we were handling the different. Uh, gameplay types. It was a nightmare. But yes, we used to be all about quick play. Um, and then we kept hearing that people wanted story. So we went, okay, we're focusing on the story. Yeah, we're, we're going all in on the story and we can add quick play later. So we are adding quick play. <laughs> I think B has <laughs> not, I don't know if you can say, when is this coming out? I don't know. I don't know. Soon, soon, soon. 
Excellent. Um, I'll take that as an exclusive. So there you go. Right. That's just literally a brief taster of what's to come. Uh, it was a really interesting chat, by the way. Really enjoyed talking to to, to uh, both the women behind it. Uh, we chatted a lot about the development of the game, the the uh, what was behind it, what's to come, the accessibility issues, um, and how deliberate their pro LGBTQIA plus was with their being in a same sex relationship with one of them being a trans female as well, and whether there was a deliberate. Um, notion to, to make that as part of the game and it was just a really interesting discussion and both of them were were really really lovely to talk to so please do give that a listen well i will definitely well you've got no choice you've got to edit and find a bit to edit into the podcast ah yeah that's right <laughs> um <laughs> just edit the bits with me out it's fine <laughs> it'll be a pleasure yeah like who's interviewing who <laughs> yeah. uh no, I thought I was, I was pretty good. I, I, I'm going after Parky's job. Um, weird. For younger anyway. listeners, <laughs> Parkinson was... A, <laughs> yeah, no, I think most of our audience will probably know who he is. Yeah, most of us grew up with him in some vein. He's the guy who does the tea advert sometimes now. Not Sean Bean. That's a different person. Is Michael Parkinson still alive, is he? I suppose he yes. is. It'd be a national day of mourning when he dies. Uh, uh, Yorkshire, maybe. The Yorkshire Day of Morning. Yorkshire Day of Morning. But yeah, just want to cut. Like, so have you found yourself, Stu, now we're at the end of COVID, quote unquote, taking more risks because of societal pressure? Or have you managed to sort of like escape that so far? Yeah, yeah. I think I, I do take more risks. And I think, you know, partly it's managed risk and partly it's just, you know, you can't escape societal pressure to a degree. Like, you know, I think of myself as quite, you know, I I, re- I like to conform to social norms in that I like to give way to people, you know, smile at them, be part of a society. But I was more than willing to withdraw from society when I knew it was going to be bad for me. And yeah. when society starts coming back together, whether it should or it shouldn't, which is totally open for debate, and I mean that literally, that's not like a a sly digger or anything it genuinely is up for debate uh, you know it, it's very difficult to to get away from that that pressure and you know i'm not well now and i wasn't well over easter i, got, I think i've got a secondary infection because of being unwell over easter and then not recovering properly uh, and i caught that from being out and about with people in the wider world the week yeah. before and it's not covid but i caught it off other people and it's a salutary lesson of well this is what happens when you go out and mix with people but you're at a point where you go in you know do, do i just stay away from people forever do i minimize my interactions with them do i take more risks fewer risks what do i do there's no steering there's no guidance there's it's just your own personal choice. It's very, very strange. So that's where I am, yeah. Yeah, so what brought this up for me is, this is going to sound like an anti-vaxxer, anti-masker rant, but it's it's nowhere near. I've had COVID, and this isn't, oh, I've had COVID, so I'm exempt. Um, but I've got... I. 99% sure I've got long COVID. I mean, unfortunately, no one still knows what 
is the outright effect of long COVID, or if it does affect different people differently. But since yeah. I've had COVID in, what was it, September? I think it was, early September, just after. Um, I've had, I've been bunged up constantly. My sinuses, I get sinus pains now that I never used to get, but I've been constantly bunged up that I can, I can go almost most of the day without being able to breathe through my nose. Um, and I've, over the past couple of weeks, really, really struggled. I think possibly we got warmer with being able to breathe in a mask because as I'm breathing, I'm breathing in the, the mask itself into my mouth. Yeah. Um, and that's causing me to have minor panics because like, I'm also like, I can't breathe properly. Um, and I've been struggling through. Uh, a couple of times I forgot my mask, uh, been out in the car, got, oh, crap not got my mask but we've only been going into like a, a cost of coffee so it's we're going to all up we're going to sit down and uh, no one else has their masks anyway but they get really sort of like major anxiety panics about it going oh my god I should be wearing my mask I should be wearing my mask I should be wearing my mask people are watching me people aren't watching me because no one else has got a mask but I'm like oh no god oh god oh god oh god so I'm still forcing myself to wear them like if I go into like a supermarket or something where I know I'm going to be in there for a good hour or something like that I'll I'll, I'll, I'll put it on but I found myself sort of sort of not being as worried or, or stuff like that about having my mask when we've popped out or we've got to done something like that we wasn't gonna do uh, but then I'm, I'm feeling so guilty about it as well I honestly, I just sort of get home and I go, uh, you know, I should, I, I should be wearing a mask. I know I should be wearing a mask. Um, and I don't want people to think that I'm anti-mask when they look at me without a mask. Because I know some of them, I've seen some people going, oh, I don't have to wear a mask. That's why I'm not wearing a mask. In terms of their going into like a clinic and going, oh, God, you're going to make me wear one. It was like, you're in a clinic, wear a mask. I still make sure I've got a mask in a clinic. Yeah. First and foremost. I mean, that should be the standard at any hospital, in all fairness. Forever, of course, um, everyone yeah. should be masked up in a hospital or a clinic or something like that. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm not asking sort of like, oh, make me feel better. But I don't know what I should be doing or what I should be feeling now in terms of what protections do I take and what's right and what's wrong. This, this is where that our leaders have really screwed up because we don't know what's right or what's wrong anymore. Completely, because uh, I'm in, I'm almost the inverse in that I always feel like bad for wearing a mask because I do and I don't but I always feel very conspicuous because almost nobody wears them now and yeah. the only people that you see wearing them with impunity tend to be very old people who are like I've learned my lesson you know <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm not going to take any bloody risks now which is absolutely great it, you know but the thing is it's kind of like I, I go back and forth because if it was a selfish thing, if it was like, I, by wearing a mask, I am protecting myself from you people, that would be one thing, and I yeah. would struggle with it more. But I don't so much, because you you know that wearing it helps other people if you've got it, or if you've got anything, you know? Because it, it prevents yeah. the, the distribution of, of your respiration quite so far and so powerfully. But it only works in, in a kind of, in a group it only works if everybody's doing it, you know? That will only That's the only way it ever seriously reduces the numbers. So then I find myself in environments where I'm not wearing one, uh, and it, you know, either because I'm eating or because I've forgotten my mask or just because I can't be bothered. And then I feel guilty. <laughs> then I'm like, well, I really should be wearing one and be more, you know, sharp about this. 
And I think probably a lot of people are in exactly the same situation, you know, uh, because there is no steer. And I think the only thing that you can look to as a solid, as usual, is facts. And the fact is that the COVID that's going around at the moment is much less, vir- you know, virulent. Well, it's not less virulent, but the impact of it is far reduced from the first strain of COVID that came over and that was killing people. And yeah. therefore, if you're, if you, are indoctrinated against it if you've got if you've been vaccinated then your chances of having it bad are quite you know severely reduced which is great and you know that's not brilliant because like you said you've got long covid everybody who's had it probably has it to a greater or a lesser degree and you want to try and avoid that so it's kind of like you know it's not a bad thing anymore to not wear a mask really but if you can you probably should but again you know there's no steer so what do you do you've just got to follow your own logic and and your own beliefs i guess oh yeah I, you know i, I pretty much have that how when i sit down and go like talk to myself logically can you talk to yourself in a logical way or is that an oxymoron yeah, you can. We, 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 we <laughs> I'm an oxymoron. Um, you can, you can, uh, you can diff- You can step aside from yourself. Uh, we, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's a, the fact that the human mind can divide itself can become a problem. But yeah, you can very clearly step away and talk to yourself as if you were talking to somebody else. But when I'm walking through the town centre doing it, does that, does that get a bit weird then? That will probably disturb some people, but, you know, that's on them. And they're not wearing masks anyway, so they can sod off. No, screw them, yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's, 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 I say, it is so weird. And this is why it, someone pointed out to me, I tried to point out to me a little while ago that I come across as a hypocrite because I, I will turn around and go, our government sucks, our government sucks. We should listen. We need government advice at the same time. And it's going, but it's not mutually exclusive. It's like our government does suck. And they're evil, but they do need to be the ones who give us the guidance as a yeah. society. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think they're evil and they're scummy and everything, but they are the ones who've got to turn around and make the laws. That If they turn around tomorrow again and said, look, we don't care if you can or can't breathe in your mask um, or if you've got these issues, you have got to wear a mask, then I would do it because that is the law. I think many laws are bullshit, but I still follow them because that's the way it, it is and that's the way it should be you are the government are there to govern or or, or just have parties one of the two <laughs> but it's a they are technically there to to govern you um and to, to guide you as a society and it's up to you whether you want to break from that and sometimes you break from that and you will suffer consequences um unfortunately depending on what background you're from you'll suffer more consequences than others uh but you know, that's into a completely other uh, discussion. But yeah, I've just like the last couple of weeks, I've been sort of like, I know it's not over and I can't stand the term on we're at the end of COVID because we're not, you know, we're getting more cases. Yes, it's milder, but we're getting more and more cases and how's it going to mutate? But at the same time, I don't want to have a, you know, I, I don't know how not being able to breathe properly in a mask is going to affect me. Um, and I will. Cho- I now have to pick and choose when I can and can't do it. Um, yeah. And I will. I think I, I wore it on the way to an appointment on the bus the other week because um, the bus was busy. But I didn't on the way back because there was like two other people on the bus. Yeah. Um, I sat away from them, didn't wear it because again I was struggling to breathe properly in it. 
And again, even though I feel that's one of the biggest cop-outs from some people who go, you can't breathe in a mask. Well, you can because doctors and nurses do it all the time. But it's <laughs> I struggle because, again, I'm bummed up. Even talking at this period, I feel my breath going and I need to stop and get the breath. So I'm, I actually, I'm just going to stop for a second and get some breath in. Um, yeah, do it. Um, while you're doing that, uh, the parties, you know, the party political, it's there in the title, party politics. If they want to have parties, yes. they can. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding, obviously. But um, yeah, no, I, I'm not a liberal person. And by that, I mean, I'm not like, yeah, man, people should be able to do what they want. Yeah, you should listen to both sides. No, I'm not listening to both sides. I'm a lefty. I'm sorry. There's no middle ground for me anymore. I'm way past middle ground. And I, But I'm even I'm like, well, if the law says you don't have to wear a mask, then you don't have to wear a mask. You know, that it, whether, it, whether I personally believe that's right or wrong, um, it, you don't have to. So, you know, don't exercise your rights. They're your rights as an individual. I might disagree with them vehemently, but I'll defend your right under the law, you know, to, with, the last, with my last breath, because that's the law. But, you know, I think, like, when you talk about having this binary thing in politics of, oh, you know, you hate the Tories, therefore, why are you asking anything of them? You know, it kind of goes back to that really good meme of, you know, oh, you uh, you hate society and yet you participate in it. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing, really. It's like, but it's, it's even more nuanced. It's like, good and bad only exists in Star Wars. You know, it only exists in fiction. In reality, there are good people, lots of good people, in not necessarily the immediate Tory cabinet, but in the to- Tory institution and also in the the quangos that have been set up and the you know the civil service there's whole the layers quangos, are we still talking star wars factions yeah? <laughs> yeah yeah they've got these funny protuberances from the back of their head and but um yeah no it's kind of there are tons of people who the government go oh i can't be bothered dealing with this i'll give it to this department for them to work out and i'll just rubber stamp it and the people who work on it are good people you know and yeah. in- inevitably you get some good stuff coming out of bad bad parties and bad regimes so life is complicated life is nuanced it's not just black and white and that's a good thing and it, I think that's that's obviously been shown best in the Karate Kid films absolutely obviously. absolutely because Johnny is the hero that's right that's you see I love Talk the fact that that went from I love the fact that went from sort of like being a, a, throw, a sort of throwaway joke that I saw in a couple of bits and like in How I Met Your Mother with Barney Stinson how his favourite character's Johnny and he's the good guy and people were like how can you see him as the good guy to everyone going oh actually Daniel's an ass, isn't he? <laughs> it is pretty funny actually especially as when something comes out in an era that's that's particularly promoting something so you know like everything that Marty McFly does in Bats of the Future is you know governed and cut and caressed and protected by the fact that it's Reaganite 80s America so if yeah. you're pursuing a woman as a prize and a, and a and a fancy truck you know this is absolutely the pinnacle of life and you can do anything you want to, to achieve it yeah oh yeah 100% and it's it's, um, it's funny when you look back on actually quite a few of the 80s films you're going oh these are a bit more of a social commentary than you initially realized yep yep for good or ill yeah it negatively affects some things that you thought were great and it positively affects some things that you thought were bad yeah and the fact that and also i just really love this is an excuse now to talk about cobra kai um 
what I really love is that that whole thing led to someone going, that's a good point. What would it be like now if, the, if like, the main characters from that film actually worked it out that there wasn't just a hatred and it wasn't just black and white? And that's the whole premise of Cobra Kai. And it's just yeah. brilliant. It's just... I, I, I I love that this, we, we were able to revisit these things from the 80s and not just be, yeah, that's, life was simpler back then because actually, no, no, it wasn't. No, no, definitely not. And it is great when things get reinterpreted and you can make fresh art off the back of it and take a different direction. It doesn't happen very often, but you know, every now and, yeah. uh, now and again it does. And looking back at the 80s, Man United are shit again, so hey, <laughs> it's all good. And Liverpool are good. Yeah, so living in... And if we win the quadruple, I'm going to be unbearable. <laughs> more, more than more usual. Unbearable. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I've got nothing else. You got anything else you want to add? I don't think so, only that, you know, yeah, I would try not to feel guilty or bad whichever choice you make because you can't with with the masks not just like mm, should I murder this child no I mean specifically around masks I mean she's at school at the moment no I so yeah, yeah, yeah. give it another couple of hours um, yeah. so yeah you know around masks the law states something very very clearly in that you don't have to wear one it's personally up to you what you do and you shouldn't feel guilty one way or the other as long as you've actually thought about the situation because feeling continuously guilty about it is not going to be of positive benefit to anybody at all so yeah try try not to struggle with that i know it's difficult to not struggle with it it's a struggle <laughs> to not struggle but try you know struggle to not struggle about the struggle and that someone help. knows who they're talking to because yeah. someone knows that another someone's gonna come straight off this and just still <laughs> argue with himself in some way over all this but yeah, yeah no it makes sense yeah um so i have been god's favorite achievement and i'm gonna shut up now <laughs> excellent yeah that comes from i was speaking to brad last night on whatsapp and he gave me some advice about the steam deck and i said oh you are you're god's greatest achievement so yeah that's what he goes by now that's his official name i think he's gonna get it changed by Paul this afternoon actually i'm gonna get a t-shirt with it on yeah, yeah you should totally if, if the james stephanie sterling could do it so could i yeah too right that's how i live my life by the way that's a good way to do it yeah yeah so anyway yeah hope everybody enjoyed the Steam Deck special uh, we really enjoyed recording that one and even though it was a bit rambly which oh, was so uncommon for us it was you know, a really good conversation we covered a lot of points so if you haven't listened to it yet go back and listen also listen to the new special that's coming out very very shortly and in the meantime stay safe and stay sane